Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Lady Boy Gigi. And you are listening to Adult Bedtime Stories. Tonight, our topic is on overcoming the influences of sex-negative conditioning. And far too often, we are influenced, sometimes without even realizing how deeply, by sex-negative conditioning, and it can block our sexual expression, it can block the joy and the ability to really enjoy the pleasures of sexuality. And I have Paul with me. Hey, guys. (laughs) I thought of this subject because oftentimes I hear people that get kind of stuck and feel shame or guilt or feel blocked on many different levels. Oftentimes, people can't even communicate what they desire, what they need or want, even with their partner. And so it can block healthy, thriving sexual relationships. I'd like to kind of start off with body image. I know that's a big one for a lot of people. 
feeling like, oh, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not sexy enough, I'm not, I don't have what everybody else has, this fear and oftentimes just this feeling that I don't measure up. And I think part of the problem where that comes from is from the Hollywood definitions and presentations of the body beautiful. Far too often, beauty is only looked at as something that's physical. You have to be young and pretty and way too skinny. (laughs) And it's really quite a myth. And so many people feel, both men and women, that, oh, I'm not good enough. I don't want my partner to see me. I don't feel sexy in my body. There are ways to work around this. I know that one of the programs I put, training programs I've put together and that's helped me a lot is the Body Image Healing Workshop. And basically, we are physical bodies, but there's more to beauty than just the physical. Have you ever met someone that isn't particularly physically attractive, but has that kind of attraction on a sense of, oh, I want to know that person. I feel something. And... They have a high charisma. And charisma is something we can change. We can improve our charisma. There's many different ways to improve our body image and feel good in the bodies we have. I know that when I go to pagan gatherings and see all different types of shapes and sizes of people dancing around the revels fire celebrating a beauty and radiance shines out. (laughs) And I think passion often affects how beautiful we look to others. When we become passionate and have that zest for life and really shine out and have that, oh, just feeling of, oh, wow, I'm here. (laughs) I'm celebrating. All of a sudden, this energy opens up and we become more beautiful. (laughs) But any thoughts on body image and anything that you've struggled through with body image issues, Paul? So I see people struggling with body image all the time. Most of the people I've dated have had issues with body image in one way or another. And I I think it is a very insidious thing that can deeply affect people. But I think one of the things that I'm seeing more and more these days that I think is a, a real positive in the world is body positivity, support groups, and people celebrating their atypical bodies online and being proud of it and flaunting it. And 
and being overtly sexual in bodies that the mainstream society doesn't deem as sexually appealing. And I I think that that's a very good step in the right direction. And I know that if anyone out there is struggling with body image issues, that is one route to go about. There's tons of different groups online that are in place to celebrate the bodies that we're born in and what they can do sexually and being proud of it. So I, I'm really happy to see that in the world. I've I've never had many body image issues personally, but I have had body issues which are kind of similar, mainly because I'm in a lot of pain all the time. And I know that through my training with you, I've learned to completely recontextualize the way I see my body because by training myself to experience sexual pleasure at a, at a higher level, I have a, a positive association for the way that my body makes me feel and the things that I can do with my body. And I'm less focused on the things that kind of hold me back. So I think that's been a very positive thing in my life. Mm-hmm. And you kind of touch on something that I have practiced and still practice to this day. I'll stand in front of a full-length mirror, naked, and look at my body from a positive perspective, but also acknowledge the things that I feel like I'm not as good, like being skinny and being, and this kind of goes in a different direction, some of the things that were done to change my body and mm-hmm. and some of the gender dysphoria that I feel. And mm-hmm. I just acknowledge, okay, this is what happened. And I acknowledge the feelings around it. And then I turn my attention and my focus and I'll look at different parts of my body through a different way. One of those ways is I'll look at my cock and go, wow, you give me so much pleasure and you get so erect and you bring me such joy. It gives me a whole new appreciation, not just the physical look, but the function of my body, how well it functions Mm -hmm. and how much it gives to me. And so just by simply celebrating parts of my body that I, and finding the beauty and the positivity in those parts of my body can be very healing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that it's another important thing to acknowledge, you know, the, the things that you might not feel the best about your body. Because I think that too often people are given the message that they're doing something wrong by having parts of their body that they wish were different or or look different or, or things like that. And I think that that can add 
a certain amount of additional guilt. Like, not only do people feel bad about this, but then you're making them feel bad about feeling bad about it. And <laughs> I, I think that that can be kind of destructive sometimes. You know, I mean, that almost touches on performance issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, too often men are culturated to be like the ever-ready bunny. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, yes, I want sex all the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and even women often are culturated to be subservient and to please their man and disregard mm -hmm. their own pleasures. I think just naming these things, there is a power in naming mm -hmm. and there is a power in reclaiming. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, and from and this is partly from the sex positive movement, we all have a birthright to healthy sexuality and to healthy pleasures. And that's part of our mental health, our physical health, our entire health, is to be able to tap into our sensual sexual side and feel those pleasures and give those pleasures. Mm -hmm. I know there is an amazing feeling of wholeness when I give someone else pleasure. Mm -hmm. In giving pleasure, I'm also receiving pleasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that it's um, kind of an interesting thing in the, the culture that we live in to go back to your your point about how we're culturated, especially American culture, but in a lot of cultures right now, uh, we're sent so many mixed signals about sex. We're sent signals that you know, men should always be looking for sex, that women who like a lot of sex are loose and, and, and slutty and undesirable, but that women should also be sexy and people desire sex. And, you know, a woman being sexy is okay if she's selling a product but if she's doing it because she just wants to feel sexy then it's a bad thing again and we just get these cross signals and I don't think think it's not surprising at all that people wind up with so many hang-ups about sex because we are just given all of these crossed messages about sex constantly mm-hmm and you really touch on something that's very predominant in our culture, and that's that sense of the role of women is to be the gatekeepers of sex, and the prescribed role of men is to be the pursuer of sex. I often thought about this in my past. If you have all these pursuers chasing after it, supposedly getting it on with people and you have all the other side the women saying being the gatekeepers and not being loose who are all these men having sex with <laughs> it doesn't add up <laughs> each other in back alleys yeah but no one talks about that <laughs> and so even at a very rational thinking 
process, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It can't work. (laughs) Well, I mean, also, like, the the truth of the matter is much more complex than is easy to put into bite-sized nuggets of wisdom that the that the culture absorbs because there's a right way to pursue sex that is not predatory or creepy uh, and there's a right way to 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 go about a lot of things but it it's always presented as this binary either you're on the hunt or you're not and that's just not true yeah and I think you're touching close to another area that I find very intriguing and in a way very harmful. And that's something I grew up with probably more so than what's present today. But the concept that sex is sinful, which is predominantly put out by churches and religions Mm -hmm. but also through other social structures Mm -hmm. and even our legal system which often is predominated by conservatives Mm -hmm. and once I started studying ancient cultures and ancient religions Mm -hmm. I discovered that the equation was much different in the distant Mm. past. Mm -hmm. There was a time when sex was considered a sacred act, Mm -hmm. that it was a gift of the creator. Mm -hmm. Over time, sex got this kind of bad rap, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that it was something that was evil and bad and that, you only did it to procreate, that to receive pleasures in sex was somehow evil and mm-hmm. sinful. <laughs> and I think part of that comes from our Puritan work ethic in this country. Mm-hmm. It's also the case that a lot of assumptions that people make about people who have a lot of sex are also wrong. Because I know that I've got a lot of friends in the kink community and the polyamory community and and other communities that have a lot of sex, but they tend to get tested fairly often. They tend to have very honest conversations with their partners. They know who their partner's partners are. And when there is an outbreak in a friend group, it gets caught fairly quickly and also there are safe ways to have sex with people with various STIs you just have to go about things in the right way but our culture tells us that people who have a lot of sex are disease-ridden and Mm -hmm. you know and that people who have an STI are automatically tainted and unclean and unfit to be sexual partners. And both of those are very harmful stereotypes that the world still labors under. And another stereotype, and it gets into the mental health, 
is that if you engage in sex too frequently, mm-hmm. you are a sex addict. Mm-hmm. And that that is really a myth. <laughs> yeah, this whole concept of sex equals sin really always kind of bothered me a little bit. And I was fortunate. I had some amazing sexual experiences before I even knew what it was. And once I started getting indoctrinated with this concept of sex as sinful, I knew how good it was. And I started questioning it. And I realized something's wrong here. Because <laughs> how can something so pleasurable and so bring such joy to life be wrong? And I started exploring my own self and my own kind of philosophy around it. And one of the things that I kind of realized quickly on was that whatever created us, created us with this amazing capacity to reach higher states of consciousness through sexuality. It gave us this phenomenal body that allows us to receive and give pleasures. And why would a creator make us the way we're made if sex was evil or bad? Mm -hmm. And so in a big way, it really led me to start questioning. I think one of the things that is often overlooked in society is that sex can be, you know, one of the strongest forms of bonding that you you can have. And so a lot of people think that it sh- should have to be held to a single partner. But I, I think that modern society doesn't look like that, that it's important for us to bond with the people in our lives that we're close to. And with modern relationships being the way that they are, where it's not so cut and dried who you're... A lot of people don't even have what they would consider a a primary partner. And so, like, I think that that's another reason why sex can be very positive and have very positive outcomes in the world. And I think one of the things that really hit me growing up was this kind of religious stuff that came in. I mean, I was once caught playing with boys and girls. (laughs) We were playing doctor. We were kids exploring our bodies. I was led to read certain Bible verses and some of them just didn't quite jive well with me. Mm -hmm. For one, they raised the story of God commanded him to impregnate, have sex with his wife and impregnate her. And she was a little bit older and he felt concerned. So at the last minute, he pulled out and spilled his seed. And that was supposedly 
or the way it was presented was that masturbation is wrong. Mm -hmm. And first of all, that wasn't even masturbation. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it wasn't about him having sex. It was about him pulling out early and not trusting in his belief that God wanted him to impregnate his wife. Mm -hmm. That was a whole different issue. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's so many different stories. I mean, and when you look at the context, I mean, I remember, I forget the names, but especially in the Old Testament, there's so much that is written that's contradictory. Read the Song of Solomon. I mean, talk about <laughs> mm -hmm. celebrating sex. And then read uh, what, Leviticus. Mm -hmm. Just the opposite. <laughs> and both those come from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And when you look at and we're talking mainly Christian. I know a lot of different religions have taboos against sex. But when you read about the New Testament and look at what Jesus actually stated and did, the only time he ever stepped in on sexuality was when he stepped in when a woman was about to be stoned for committing adultery. Mm -hmm. And he said, let the one that has not committed any sins cast the first stone. Mm -hmm. And so he was fully in support of forgiveness and giving blessing to a person, even though they may have made mistakes, that it's okay. Mm -hmm. Too often, we don't see that the real message that I got from all my studies in Christianity was that we should love one another, mm -hmm. that we should not judge one another, that we should be more accepting and compassionate in life. And I think definitely when you bring up religion and its r role in facilitating uh, an air of sex-negative conditioning. You can't really talk about that without talking about how the church has demonized people in the queer community for the things that they enjoy. And I know that that has led to a lot of people who have lifetime stigmas around sex. You've got asexual Christians that have have never really explored their sexuality because they hate that they're gay. You have people who try really hard to act like they're not gay and like actually go the opposite way and tend to be very misogynistic towards the women that they sleep with and there's there's a lot of harm that comes out of that. Mm -hmm. I think part of what we want to do in this show is bring some healing to all this sex-negative conditioning and bring some rational thought to it as well as some 
coming from the heart, forming a genital heart connection, naming and reclaiming our right to live a sex-positive lifestyle, because it can be such an amazing experience once we shed these layers of shame and guilt and right and wrong. I'm not Christian, I'm pagan to some degree. I'm loosely pagan, pagan-ish. <laughs> one of the concepts that comes up, or one of the sayings, is that all acts of love are blessed by the goddess. Mm-hmm. And that this is our gift, the gift to humanity. Mm-hmm. When we look at that statement, look at that philosophy, all of a sudden sec- the sacredness comes back into sexuality. Mm-hmm. We're reaching our midpoint <laughs> to our station break. And I want to remind people to visit our website, ravenslayerleather.com. On our website, we have links to our Patreon page. We have information about different training programs that you can get and learn more about sexual expression, learn how to pleasure one another better, and learn how to heal from some of these sex-negative conditioning and sex-negative harm that we all get living in a sex-negative culture. Anything you want to add for station break? Another thing that you can find through our website is a link to our Facebook page, which, uh, remind me of the name of it? Oh, it's the Family of Choice Virtual Community, Mm -hmm. which we formed in part due to the pandemic that we want to bring a collection of people together that want to connect at least online in a time of social isolation. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things we need during this time is contact of some sort or another Mm -hmm. to be able to support each other. And we also have a membership site that you can join on our website with the link to it if you want to become a member of Adult Bedtime Stories. And in the membership site, we provide a little extra information and some extra special things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the membership site is very cheap. It's $5 a month to join, and we will be providing behind-the-scenes stuff and extra materials, worksheets and recordings and things that give a little extra bonus to our listeners. (laughs) Plus, it helps support the show. Yeah. Well, back to our topic. (laughs) And we're discussing the how to overcome some of the sex-negative conditioning that we all are bombarded with in this culture and to learn how to live a more sex-positive lifestyle and to celebrate who we are as sexual beings. 
I think I'd like to cover a couple more th- areas that are mm-hmm. kind of hit us hard. I think one of those is this whole concept that we aren't good enough. We're not the right age. We're either too young or too old. I get, I got that message a lot. Oh, you're too young to be able to go out on a date. You're too young to start having sex. And then later, oh, you're too old now. You're supposed to put that down. I mean, you're beyond that age. And when is the exact right age? (laughs) Where does that fall? No one could ever really specifically answer that. There isn't one. Or at least if there is, the window is very narrow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yet through science, we have discovered that even pre-born babies in the later stage of pregnancy fondle themselves and even masturbate and play with themselves inside the womb. One of the concepts that I fully embrace is that Sex and sexual pleasures are something that starts with our early life and goes on till we reach death. It's a part of our whole life cycle. Of course, we are not suggesting that anyone should have sex with people of an age group that they that the, they shouldn't that it that is underage. Yeah, you want to keep age appropriate (laughs) because someone underage cannot legally give consent to sex except with peers Mm -hmm. of their own age (laughs) or or morally Mm -hmm. i do want to kind of just look at this whole concept of our whole health and that includes sexual health and bringing in pleasure because pleasure does release good chemicals within our bodies that help us maintain physical health and emotional and mental health. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts? (laughs) I think that it is important for people to realize how important their sexuality is to their health because I think that uh, for a lot of people it's a an afterthought or it's uh, especially there's a lot of people I know myself included for a number of years I struggled to to find partners for a long time and I didn't really focus on my sexual health or my need for sexual I masturbated but like not with intention and no more than any other growing boy. Yeah. And masturbation has a whole wide range of negative connotations within our sex-negative culture. Mm-hmm. Everything from, oh, if you masturbate, it's like you're, it's almost like pity sex. You're just doing it because you can't get something better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's... I have discovered that that is such a huge myth. In fact, just the opposite is true. 
through masturbation, we can learn how to pleasure ourselves Mm -hmm. and then be able to teach our partner how we like to be pleasured. Mm -hmm. It's a good way to learn about our own bodies and become more adept at both giving and receiving pleasure. I think with masturbation, there's so many myths around it. Mm -hmm. Uh, At one point, it thought it caused insanity, it caused pimples, it caused all these negative things. In truth, when you can really fully embrace yourself and love yourself first, Mm -hmm. it's good preparation for when you want to get into Mm -hmm. a relationship with another person. It opens yourself up to full sexual Mm -hmm. expression. (laughs) You look like you wanted to step in. Oh, I just was going to add as an aside, I I think that it's funny that for time, uh, they thought that masturbation was a cause of insanity, but for women, apparently, it was also the cure for insanity. (laughs) Yeah, there was a time period when doctors actually masturbated the woman Mm -hmm. to treat hysteria. Mm -hmm. And hysteria is no longer a mental Mm -hmm. diagnosis, but at one point in our mental health history, hysteria was thought of as a mental health problem that women had. Mm -hmm. And the cure was to go to your doctor and have him bring you lots of pleasure and hopefully an orgasm. Mm -hmm. And that supposedly cured the hysteria. Yeah. But women weren't supposed to do it for themselves. Mm -hmm. They had to go to a doctor for this. Yes. I think oftentimes we think of masturbation as just a release. Mm Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, it has become that. Mm-hmm. But it also can be an act of self-love. Yeah. An act of really celebrating in who you are, celebrating in your body, and mm-hmm. the pleasures you can bring to yourself. I know. And to bring about this full sense of, I love Gigi. I love myself. I love who and what I am and really get in tune with my essence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You were going to say? I think one of the things that really helped me out a lot in transforming the way I viewed masturbation and its role in my life was when I learned how to, to edge and to, like, move the energy around in my body and not just keep it in my penis and not just come as quickly as I could. I think that by teaching myself how to to do that properly, it opened up a whole new world and like a whole new, opened up the fullness of the experience and gave me so many more layers to explore other than just getting myself off real quick. And you did mention that at one point that by going through these practices, 
you became a better lover for your partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to throw in real quickly, this is the month of May. It is Celebrate Masturbation Month. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is a concept out there called mindful masturbation. And it's being fully present with yourself. Not just getting off, but really tuning into your whole body and being present and in the moment Mm -hmm. and really getting lost into the sensations and Mm -hmm. the pleasures and the stimulation and the whole experience and circulating that energy throughout the whole body, not just one part. Mm -hmm. And by circulating that energy throughout the whole body, it opens the door to full body orgasms. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have different types of orgasms, or we have the potential to experience a wide range of orgasms. And through different practices, we can open that door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that another, to go back to the, the main topic of how do you counter these uh, uh, negative sexual conditionings and actually change things for the better to where we are living a more positive, like sex-positive lifestyle, I think that the main thing there is just to continue to explore and to be open and and ready like even if an idea sounds scary or weird i know that for me some of the things that i've found the most sexual pleasure from have been things that i was really concerned about in the beginning concerned about whether I'd enjoy, or things like that. So I I think having a bit of an adventurous nature and really going and exploring, especially if it's something that a partner's already into and would like to get you into, I think that can be very, very important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, no, I've had you kind of explore and push and challenge your own boundaries. Mm-hmm. And it does open up a whole new level of experience and even a level of part of discovering who and what I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's through learning how our bodies work. Because mm-hmm. we are in part our bodies. We are also an energy being within our bodies. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've discovered is through this whole process is that sex isn't just a physical act. Mm -hmm. Sex is or can be a form of energy. Oh, yeah. And when we start building up that energy and we start experiencing it at a fuller level, it can take us to so many amazing places. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's also, to to kind of clarify my point a little bit, I would say that as you 
get to the point where you're exploring things, especially uncomfortable things. That doesn't mean you have to jump both feet first, especially if it's something that you're trying because your partner's already in, into it. Hopefully you have a partner that's willing to kind of guide you slowly into it until you get more comfortable with it. And when you have partners that you're, you know, maybe exploring some things that kind of hit your emotions a little weird, um, practice safe words, know your safe words, trust yourself to use your safe words, and also, like, talk about it. Talk about mm-hmm. what you liked, what you didn't like. If if you didn't like it this time, but you think that there was a particular reason or, you know, something that felt off about it, you know, maybe change things up a little bit the next time or things like that. I think that it's important to know that having a single negative experience doesn't necessarily mean a form of play isn't for you. It just might mean that you need to approach it a little differently. Yeah. And it it is, uh, I mean, we're not given a good sex education in this country. Mm -hmm. It's very limited, if at all. A lot of sex ed programs preach abstinence only. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are more on the consequences Mm -hmm. that you could get an STD or STI, Mm -hmm. that you could possibly get pregnant if you're a woman. Mm -hmm. And all these things with a little bit of learning and study, you can learn how to do all these things safely Mm -hmm. and consensually. Mm -hmm. But I think communication is key. Oh, yeah. And once again, there's a power in naming. Mm -hmm. When we can name things, we get a better understanding. Yeah. I think that, you know, one of the big reasons I wanted to bring this up is because one of the big things that a lot of people have uh, negative sex conditioning around is uh, different fetishes that they might have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, a lot of people might realize they have a fetish but are so afraid to act on it that they never really ex- explore it or they only do much later in their life and then kind of kick themselves for not getting into it earlier. Yeah. In fact, I can't remember the name of the movie. It was one of the... Oh, what's his name? Anyway, I'll describe the movie. There's this woman, and this kind of takes... The movie's set in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And there's this woman who gets with a man and he has this fetish with women's undergarments and he asks to borrow her undergarments and he gets off and she was talking to a minister about this and he was like oh that's so bad and wrong and sinful mm-hmm And she turned and looked at him and said, oh, no, 
he made love in an unconventional way, but he made love, and it was such a beautiful, loving act. How can that be wrong? Mm -hmm. That was his way of expressing mm -hmm. his love for me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, what a powerful statement mm -hmm. in a film. <laughs> How we choose to express our love can come in many forms. Mm -hmm. In fact, in Kinsey's studies, in his report, he interviewed many, many people mm -hmm. and discovered that people, the variety of sexual expression is almost unlimited. Mm -hmm. That people find many different forms of sexual expression mm -hmm. and that these are more common than you might think. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I also think that having a healthy relationship with your fetishes is the easiest way to not uh, develop an unhealthy sexual fetish, which unfortunately has happened a, a lot in the past. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of those examples are fetishes that could have wound up being completely healthy in the right context, but because someone had so much shame and guilt wrapped around them that they only found negative outlets for it. And, you know, sometimes... Well, and I think the process have, that occurs for a lot of people is that at first they try to suppress or repress those feelings. Mm -hmm. They stuff them inside and deny them. And by doing so, eventually they're going to come out, and sometimes in very inappropriate ways mm -hmm. and in inappropriate environments. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's one of the things that I did learn from paganism is that mm -hmm. when you cast a circle and create sacred space, mm -hmm. a safe space, you kind of create a container mm -hmm. and negotiate and communicate and set the boundaries and say, okay, we're going to explore this in this safe space mm -hmm. and enjoy. Yeah. And fantasy can be a part of it and mm -hmm. role play and all kinds of things can come in to express some of the darker side of sexuality or <laughs> some of the more taboo mm -hmm. side of sexuality. And, and I think that... Um, you know, one of the things that happens a lot of times is people hear about the negative ways that people have expressed some of their taboo sexual fetishes, and it makes them so worried about the things that turn them on that they never really explore those areas that for most people are completely safe and healthy and are only made more safe and more healthy by approaching it with with good intentions and in a healthy way. 
I think a good example I can give is I'm somewhat of an exhibition. Well, not somewhat. I am an exhibitionist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and ex exhibitionism kind of got a bad name at one point in our culture because often what people were practicing was non-consensual exhibitionism. Mm -hmm. Flashers and, you know, you get the raincoat and he's naked underneath and yeah. flashes someone. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, yeah, that is not the right environment and mm -hmm. the right approach to do it healthily. By gaining consent and being an exhibitionist at, like, say, a, a sex party, a Jack and Jill social gathering, mm -hmm. or even in a area where just nudity is mm -hmm. a part of the community, mm -hmm. clothing optional spaces, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden there is if not consent given by each individual directly, there is consent mm -hmm. given by... Virtue be, be, of being there. Yeah, by virtue of being there. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's really beautiful about exhibitionists and voyeurs, and both got a bad name, uh, voyeurs used to be called peeping toms, mm -hmm. <laughs> peeking in people's windows, uh, mm -hmm. once again, non-consensually. But when it's consensual, an interesting dynamic occurs. The voyeur and the exhibitionist form a symbiotic relationship. Each are giving to the other and fulfilling the other's needs, while at the same time, receiving what they need and obtaining what turns them on. Mm -hmm. And both parties are getting a lot out of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's just one example of a fetish that can be done safely, sanely, and consensually. Mm -hmm. But select a good environment. Oh, yeah. A protected, safe environment mm -hmm. with people that give consent either explicitly or just mm -hmm. by the implicit mm -hmm. notion that they this will occur in this space and if you want to join us then you give consent and you know with uh exhibition and and voyeurism like even if you don't live anywhere where there's gatherings where there are sex parties if you live in the middle of the no of nowhere luckily we live on the internet and mm -hmm. between fetlife and reddit like not only are there like places for you to share sexy pictures of yourself with the intention of turning people on but with reddit there's a subreddit for every kind of person there's curvy or chubby gone wild if you happen yeah. to be foot fetish yeah uh, there's foot fetish ones there's uh body worship <laughs> mm -hmm. uh body writing there's i i know that i've been um going on the boys b-o-i-s uh subreddit a lot because it's 
sexy femmy boys and sexy mm-hmm. boy femmes and just really androgynous models, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's you name it, it's out there. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's the other thing that I'd kind of like to wrap up with. We're already, wow, where'd the time go? One of the things I want to kind of wrap up with is the sense that, oh, I'm alone in this. Nobody could ever think something this dastardly and evil and bad. And guess what? If you're into it, if you have these feelings, there's someone probably many people out there that share in the same desires and same thinking as you do. That's universal. And throughout the entire history of mankind, we have documented evidence of many wild things that have happened Mm -hmm. throughout our time as a since we became cultures mm-hmm. and since we became groups and cities and even tribes, things have gone on for millennia that are very much into the fetish world mm-hmm. and realm and into BDSM realms. And and so whatever you're, you think might be twisted or odd or unique, Guess what? There's people out there doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that helped me a lot was to find some of those kindred spirits. Learn how to do it in a healthy way. And it can be so empowering. I know that when I started exploring some of my taboos and I broke some of those taboos, it was healing, it was exciting it brought me to a whole new level of just being and knowing and getting to know those parts of ourselves Mm -hmm. through our experience and i know that uh, i guess i should do a quick quote from harold and maude if you don't enjoy you'll have no stories to tell in the locker room (laughs) life is an adventure it's an exploration life can be amazing if we just challenge ourselves and and kind of explore those things that are kind of scary at first but before you explore learn Mm -hmm. learn how to do it safely Learn how to do it in a healthy way. Any last thoughts? Um, So, you know, since this last bit has been about fetishes, and, you know, I'd like to just um, re-emphasize, because it it bears repeating, that, that none of these fetishes make you a bad person, the things that turn you on do not make you a bad person. Knowing the right way to go about it and to to talk to your partners and communication is very key, particularly as you get into some of the, the more taboo things. 
communicate clearly, communicate often, understand what it is that you're looking for out of the the thing and find out what your partner is looking for and try to set up a scenario in which both partners or all three partners or all eight partners <laughs> are fulfilled. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, have a wonderful night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Explore your desires. Explore your body. Explore your interests. There's no right and wrong in fantasy. It's all in your head. And so you can explore even the most darkest things through fantasy safely. Do it as long as it gives you pleasure and feels good for you. To enjoy some of the fantasies, it can open up whole new horizons and experiences. And then those things that can be done with others and can be role-played and can be done consensually in a safe environment, explore those too. Discover, but learn about what you're doing first. Mm -hmm. It really helps to prevent mistakes, to prevent accidents, to learn how to do things safely and to experience fully and to bring yourself to more pleasure and a greater health and mental health and physical health and even spiritual health because sex can be part of spirituality too. Mm -hmm. Any last words? Um. I, I think that pretty much covers it. Well, have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.